Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If you would turn with me to Psalms chapter 34. I want to give honor to your pastor who is, I believe, hunting Bambi today. I always find out that during this time of the year is when I see most deer in the city and I probably have to swerve to, to not hit what they're not seeing in their, their deer stand. But give honor to your pastor. Your pastor, last month we had a loss in the church and he came um, with, with minutes notice and did a fantastic job. And we just love brother and sister Kylie, just a tremendous pastor that you have. And you have such an incredible pastoral team to the office of Kylie, Kylie and Cordell. <laughs> You are just blessed with, with great leadership here, and you should count yourself fortunate to have a pastor with great vision and a team of, of individuals that are behind that vision. Amen. Well, the word of the Lord says in Psalms chapter 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. If it's okay with you on this couple days before Thanksgiving, I would just like to give honor to God today. Would that be okay? All the songs that we've been singing, I think it just would be a good time to just take the next couple minutes and just worship the King of Kings and, and, and to magnify the Lord. Can we do that? Why don't we just drop our Bibles and just begin to worship Him and just to let Him know how much He means to us. God, we worship You today. Lord, we thank You, God. We give You all the praise. We give You all the glory. We thank You, God, that You are here today, God. And if You are here, Lord, anything can happen. So, God, I pray, Lord, in this place, God, that, Lord, we would put You in Your proper perspective, Lord Jesus. Lord, regardless of what is going on in our life, God, that You would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. If you're going to help me preach, you can be seated. If not, you can remain standing. And you'll always be ahead of the game. You know, it's important to understand the context to the text. In Psalms chapter 34, it's a psalm where David is expressing gratitude to God. But if we take a step back and understand the season in which he wrote this passage of Scripture, I think you would be quite surprised. We know the story of David. David was a shepherd boy, the youngest of eight, and and life for David changed. One day he was anointed to be king, and we see as life progresses for David that one day he's being a delivery boy for his father, and he goes and he sees this giant who would defy the children of God, and David, not knowing any better, not probably knowing what has led up into this moment, says to the people that are cowering, he said, is there not a cause? We're, we're going to let this giant slew insults on the people of God? And so we know the story. David goes on and, and he defeats the giant. And all of a sudden, David, this, this maybe not known at all shepherd boy, becomes a well-known household name. 
As a matter of fact, they start saying Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his tens of thousands. And all at once, the story of David being the second king of Israel just seems very evident. It seems that God is posturing David to be in a position to take the kingship over next. And so David takes residence at the, the king's home and he begins to work for the king. He begins to, to play the harp for the king. And, and all of a sudden, an evil spirit torments Saul. And as David is playing for the man of God, the man of God begins to throw spears at him. What do you do when spears are thrown at you? We see David does something incredible. He, he doesn't return them. He doesn't take the spear that's thrown at him and, and in retribution throw it back at Saul. No, he flees. And all of a sudden it comes to a point where Saul not only just wants to throw spears at him, but also wants to kill him. And David does another thing that is just incredible. He leaves on his own. If anyone had a reason to say, you know what, listen, I'm going to be the next king. I have a reason to put my foot down and, and to cause a little noise and to, to leave kicking and screaming. It could have been David. But David led quietly. He doesn't take anyone with him. He doesn't tell people he's leaving. He just leaves. And here a mighty warrior, David, finds himself in the most unlikely in circumstances. He finds himself in Gath. That's kind of a crazy place. Why would you go there? Why would you go to Philistine territory, the, the place of the people you just defeated their warrior? And David goes there and, and King Achish, the Philistine king, calls him before and, and is probably wondering, what is this guy doing in our land? And to make matters worse, he's carrying the sword of Goliath. He's coming. It may look like he's taunting them. He's probably wondering, what's going on with this man? Why is he here? There's, there's probably a threat to my people. And David does something kind of crazy. As a matter of fact, he acts crazy. He lets spit run down his beard, and he starts scratching and clawing at the doors. And all of a sudden, the king's like, wait, this is the guy? This is the guy who defeated Goliath? Is there something wrong? Has something switched in his brain? And so the king says, he's, he's of no threat to us. Just let him go. Think about that. A man that had eminence, a man that had a name, in probably a moment is now being talked about at the dinner table. Have you heard about what happened to David? He was over by King Achish, acting like a fool. That's going to be the guy who's going to be our next king? And David goes to the cave of Adullam, and probably the lowest point in his life. God has promised him a future. He's been anointed king, and here he finds himself all by himself in a cave. And it's in that cave that he writes the psalm. And in verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, I've, I've learned over the years that it's really easy to bless the Lord in the good times. It's incredibly easy to bless the Lord when, when all the, the bills are being paid, when you just are celebrating the promotions. It's easy to bless the Lord when your relationships are functional, when your marriage is going good, when your kids are, are listening to you and following the instruction that you're giving them. It's easy to bless the Lord when your health is at a premium and you're waking up and you're not feeling aches and pains in your body. That, that's, that's the easy time to bless the Lord. But it's a total different set of circumstances when, when the pendulum has turned to the other side and our health is, is not what it used to be. It's, it's not doing good and, and instead of a promotion, we just got a demotion. 
It's another thing to bless the Lord when, when your family is not doing uh, the things that they should and your marriage is on the rocks and, and the bills you're fretting and you're worrying about how they're going to be paid. It's another thing all entirely, brothers and sisters, to say that scripture, I will bless the Lord at all times. Any witnesses in the house? You've been there. You've been in that moment and you don't know what, what the next couple minutes of your life are going to bring. You don't want to hear, uh, the, the, you don't want to answer the phone because you don't know what's going to be on the other side of it. It's in that moment that David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. It doesn't matter what the, what, what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the news may come. And David was saying, you know what? If it's demotion or if it's promotion, I'll bless the Lord. If it's sickness or if it's health, I will bless the Lord. If my relationships are dysfunction or function, I will bless the Lord. You going to help me preach today, brothers and sisters? If I'm being rejected or accepted, I will bless the Lord. If I'm in need or in plenty, I will bless the Lord. If I'm in danger and in safety, I'll bless the Lord. Joy or sorrow, I'll bless the Lord. You see, David made up his mind that he wasn't going to let the circumstances determine his response. I'm not going to let circumstances determine how I respond. Paul said it this way to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He said, in everything, give thanks. What do you mean, Paul? In everything, give thanks. Those are five hard words to swallow. Paul said, in everything, give thanks. But then listen to the, the next part. He said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He said, it is God's will that in every circumstance you give thanks. If you look at the two verses that are before this, it, it says in verse 16, I believe, rejoice evermore. And in the next verse, it says, pray without ceasing. And then it says, in everything, give thanks. And so when he says, this is the will of God, he's looking at the last three declarative statements that he's made to the people. And so think about that. It is just as much God's will that you pray continually and that you continually have joy than it is that you continually have thanksgiving on your heart. In everything, I'm going to give thanks. I'm not going to let my circumstances determine the response. But I'm going to determine that my response is always going to be to give thanks. Ruth Bell Graham said this. She said, we can't always give thanks for everything, but we can always give thanks in everything. You know, there are some storms that I don't thank God for. I don't say, God, thank you that I just got a demotion. I am so excited. I was hoping that this would come my way. But you know what? I can thank God in the demotion. I don't thank God for the health that's going on with my wife. I don't say, God, thank you that my wife is struggling with this, but I can thank God in the midst of that. I don't thank God when, when things are going awry, but I can thank God in it. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Are, are you getting the drift? I, I know I'm being a little redundant, but I think sometimes we need to get it set in our, our systems that regardless of what comes our way, we can have an attitude of gratitude. We can live a thankful life and know that the King of Kings who did the great things in the past, he can help us in the present and he's going to see us through to the future because he will never leave us nor forsake us, but he'll always be with us even until the ends of all the time. Job said it this way in Job 1.21. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In verse 13, or chapter 13 and verse 15 of Job, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said, you know what, Lord, even if you take my life, 
I'm going to trust you because I know that you work all things out together for the good. It doesn't matter what's coming my way. I know, God, that if you're in control of my life, everything is going to work out just fine. The second part of that verse says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. David was saying, I'm going to praise him openly. I'm going to praise him openly. I'm going to let others around me see that I'm praising God. You see, there's power, brothers and sisters, in what we speak. There's power in what we say. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Luke 6.45 says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it's so important, the words that come out of our mouth, because they almost give an x-ray to what's going on inside of us. You know, we have too much negativity surrounding us. This world is filled with so much pessimism, frustration, there's angerness, there's unhappiness. But as the church, let it never say that we get infected with that mentality. Let let it never say that culture affects our response. You see too many people today that, that their reaction is always emotional. Whatever's going around them, that, that's how their attitude is doing. I have coworkers that I, I know based off of the news how they're going to act tomorrow. I, I know what their response is going to be. I, I know that it's going to be a bad day for Leela because this is going on in life. But you know what? That doesn't have to be my plight. That doesn't have to be my response. That doesn't have to be my reaction. But I can say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Look at Paul and Silas. Everything is going bad for them. They, they were proclaiming the name of Jesus. They cast out a, a spirit out of a young lady, and all of a sudden, they get arrested for doing the work of God. They get arrested, and they get beaten, and they get put in the inner sanctum of the prison, and they're in stocks. And it says in verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. All of a sudden, they began to praise him openly. That's not the circumstances or the situation that that sometimes for us, that's not the first response, right? When when we're in the midst of the storm, is that the first thing we think of is, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, sometimes we insert thumb in mouth and begin to pacify. But not them. They begin to praise. They begin to worship. And it's incredible what happens. It says in verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Think about that. that their praise not only affected their circumstances, but when they openly praised God, the praise affected the circumstances of the people surrounding them. There's power in our praise. There's power when we declare how good God is. There's power when we we tell others all the good things God's doing in our life because it it gives people who don't have hope, hope. And so we see in in this situation that circumstances, not only for Paul and Silas were affected, but also in the circumstances of others. Their, their, their bonds were loosened. I'm here today to tell you that we're not always promised that praise will change our circumstances. Wait a minute. 
and you just say it will. No, we're not always promised that, that when we praise that it's going to change the circumstances that we're facing. But praise will always change our perspective. It may not change our circumstances, but it will change something inside of us. And as we begin to praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, all of a sudden our negative perception begins to become positive. And all of a sudden we begin to see things differently because we're not looking at the problem. We're looking at the God who can do all things and do them well. Come on, brothers and sisters, listen to me today. When we begin to praise God, when we begin to worship him, when we begin to put him on the throne where he belongs, all of a sudden the things that we're facing, God begins to change our perception and allow us to look at him. Verse 2, he says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. David was saying, I'm only going to boast in the Lord. I'm not going to boast in my strength. I'm not going to boast in my wealth. I'm not going to boast in my power or my abilities. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. But I'm going to only boast in the Lord because I know that every good gift has come from God. Every good thing that I have in my life has come from God. Every situation and every circumstance is a blessing from him. Every employer, every employment, everything that's happened good has come from God. So I'm going to boast in him. He said, I'm not going to boast in the temporal. I'm going to boast in the one who's eternal. David could have attributed his success with the lion and the bear to his skill. He could have attributed his success in his deliverance from King Achish to his wit. But he said, no, I'm only going to boast in you, God. I'm only going to boast in you because I know, God, that you are fighting for me. You see, to boast in the Lord... When we look at that word, it, it's rendered and it means to shine, to make clear, to exclaim out loud. And so when we begin to boast, we begin to, to exclaim out loud how great God is. The, the next verse says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. See, David now begins to in, get others involved with it. Before it was just, I will bless the Lord. Now he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Now, I want to tell you something. Some of us today, we have a magnification problem. We tend to magnify the wrong things. And David said, no, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Don't magnify the problem. Magnify the problem solver. Don't, don't magnify the hurt. Magnify the healer. Don't magnify the chaos. Magnify the creator, the one who can bring order to your chaos. And so some of us today, we, we need to stop magnifying the wrong things. See, that was the difference that day between David and between the children of Israel. They were looking at a giant. They were looking at a problem staring at them. And they were saying, in, in all shapes and forms, he can beat us. He's bigger than we are. His reach is greater than ours. He, he's a greater warrior than we are, and, and we cannot do it. And here comes this young pipsqueak, David, who says, I, he, God helped me beat a lion. He helped me beat a bear. What's this guy going to be any different? And just like that, just like that, a perception change. I, God, I don't understand what the fuss is. Why are you looking at this guy? Why are you looking at this problem? Peter in the boat that day, he, he looked at Jesus and said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come out to you. Jesus says, come. He starts walking on the water, and all of a sudden, he's looking and fixated on Jesus, and all of a sudden, he begins to look around and, and see all the noise and see all the things, and, and all of a sudden, he starts thinking in his head, I'm not supposed to be doing this. 
People don't do this. They don't walk on water. And all of a sudden, he begins to seek. Some of us today, we're so infatuated and so, so engrossed in the things that are happening around us, who the new president is, what's going on in culture and society. And in that moment, we've stopped looking at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We stopped realizing that God is in control. He holds our world in his hands. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means he's never going to fail us because he never has. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. My wife, about five years ago, uh, was uh, going for her nursing degree. And at the conclusion of her getting her degree and passing her NCLEX, uh, she got real sick. And we didn't know what was wrong. We, we thought she might have had a, a bacterial infection from uh, a patient that she had been working with. And... And over the course of three or four months, she, she went from being a very healthy weight to losing about 25 pounds. And we kept going to doctor after doctor and, and having test after test done, and they kept saying, we, we don't know what it is. And there were nights that my wife would, would wake me up at 2, 3 in the morning with tears running down her eyes saying, I think I'm dying. I'm not sure what's going on with me. No one knows. And it wasn't until the end of that year that finally a colonoscopy was done, and they came back and they said, you have Crohn's disease. Now, now we, didn't, we didn't know what Crohn's disease was. We didn't know what that meant. We didn't know if, if it was just something that could be healed with a, a pill or, or what. And the doctor began to tell us how, Angie, your life's going to change. This is not something that just gets cured. There, there's no cure for it. And so for the rest of your life, Angie, you're going to be on a medication. And so for the last four years, my wife has been taking a treatment. Every eight weeks, she goes to the doctor. She gets hooked up to a machine and for about three to four hours, she gets this medicine put into her. And, and in the beginning, brothers and sisters, I wasn't magnifying God. I was magnifying the issue. I had a victim mentality. God, why? We've been faithful. We've been consistent in, in, in our, our walk with you, God. We, we, we give. We, we sacrifice our time and our talents. God, everything is yours. Why is this going on? You know, I... I realized in that moment, and God spoke to me one day and said, you know what, David, you're asking the wrong question. We're so quick to, when things go wrong, say, why? And God said to me, David, ask the question, what? What am I trying to accomplish in this? And so over the course of the next couple months, Angie and I, our prayer started changing. It wasn't that of a victim. It was that of a victor. We knew that God had something in store through this process. And it's been a long process, and, and the possibility of the process may not be over, but we know that in every stage of this circumstance, God's with us. He's proven it time and time and time again. As a matter of fact, last week, my wife went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at her, and he said, I don't know what's going on with you. He said, you're doing so good, you don't need to be on this medication at all. I'm going to just take you off of it, and as a matter of fact, just keep doing whatever you're doing because you're fine. You see, when we begin to look and put things into perspective and realize, God, you, you can do all things. If you want to heal my wife, you can heal her. If you don't, God, your will be done. When our perception starts changing, when we start looking and, and putting God back into the place that he belongs. You, you see, here's the problem, brothers and sisters. We cannot make God bigger. When he was saying, oh, magnify the Lord, we cannot truly make God any bigger than he already is. We cannot add to his glory. 
He's infinite. He's eternal. He's changeless. Nothing that we can do is capable of either increasing or diminishing the glory of God. However, when his name is made great, the more it's made great, the more it's made known. And so when we magnify the Lord, it's just like what he said in the verse before that. When we begin to exclaim how great God is and his name begins to begin known in your place of employment and in your place of influence. And you begin to say, let me tell you how great God is. Let me tell you how good God is. Let me tell you what God can do for you. That's when his name begins to be made known. And we magnify him in front of our friends, in front of our coworkers, in front of our family. We need to constantly recognize God for who he is. He's the creator. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner. He's our healer. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? I've realized in studying out the names of God that Every revelation that's ever came about God has come from relationship. Relationship gives birth to revelation. It was when Moses was on the hill that day and he had his hands in the air and they won the battle that afterwards he said, you're Jehovah Nisi, you're my banner. It was when Moses was on that mountain that day and God provided for him that he said he knew he was the I am. So when Abraham was in the mountain that he saw God as Jehovah Jireh, El Roy, the God who sees. It's when we get into relationship with God. You see, it's hard to know him as our healer until he does a work in our life and heals us. It's hard to know him as our provider until the bills are coming in and we don't have enough money to make payments for it. And all of a sudden, God provides a way. And we can truly look at him and say, you are my provider. You're my provider, God. So who is he today to you? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And the last part says, and let us exalt his name together. We have a name that we can exalt. The name of Jesus is higher. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, it's it's in the name of Jesus we have salvation. It's in the name of Jesus we have healing. It's in the name of Jesus that demons flee. It's in the name of Jesus that we have salvation. It's in Jesus' name when we begin to exalt that name. There's so many things today, brothers and sisters, that are being exalted. Too many worries, too many fears, too many phobias. And it's time for us as the church to begin to exalt the name of Jesus to begin to take him to the highways and to the byways, to not sit on it, to not sit on what he's done in our life, but to begin to, to let it spread, to let the good news of God and what he's done for us and tell others of how great he is. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Why don't we stand? In the fourth verse, he says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I don't know 
many of you today. I don't know what, what burdens, what fears you're carrying. I don't know what problems are going on in your life. But I do know this, that if you seek the Lord in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the circumstances, you'll find him. I remember the story of the disciples when they got in the boat with Jesus. And they, they ventured out into the middle and all of a sudden the waves began to, to beat on the boat. And there Jesus was asleep in the boat. And the disciples, they're, they're frantic. And they come almost as a subtle rebuke to Jesus and say, do you care that we perish, Master? And it says Jesus just picks himself up. He, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even address their concerns. He doesn't even have a rebuttal for them. He just walks right past them. And he speaks to the situation. He says, peace, be still. And it says that immediately we see a shift in the disciples' demeanor. In that moment, they were afraid of the circumstances going outside of the boat. But all in a moment, their fear and reverence turns back to Jesus. A sense of awe, a sense of wonder and amazement. I remember growing up, and even to this day, the awe I had in my father. It was a fear. I know that same father that could, could discipline me was also the same father that could protect me. And I have many stories where I maybe didn't feel too safe, but then all of a sudden, Dad came along. And I just somehow knew that everything was going to be all right. And for some of us today, we've put our fear in the wrong place. And that's why we need to seek the Lord. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's an invitation today. But the ball stands in our court. He waits for us. He waits for us to make the first move. Why don't we just lift our hands today? Lord Jesus, God, I pray that you would touch each person under the sound of my voice, God. You know, Lord, the circumstances that have brought them into this place, God. God, you know the year they've had. God, you know the, the, the things that are waiting for them as they get back in their car, God. The things that weigh on their heart, the things that keep them up at night. But God, I pray today, Lord Jesus, that you would touch each person today, God, that they would have a perfect peace. And knowing that, God, you are in control, that you can do all things and do them well, God. Lord, that your arm is not short, Lord Jesus, that your ear is not deaf, but God, you still stand at the door and knock. Lord, you still stand and say, Lord, come to me. Come to me, all ye that labor. God, you're waiting for us. So God, help us to look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. If that's you today, why don't you just step out? I open these altars today knowing that God will meet you if you take a step of faith. Regardless of what you carry.
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.